Welcome everyone to today's Ave Torah. Today's shiur is uh, the beginning of Perek HaOreg. Rabbi Eliezer Harishon. There's two Rabbi Eliezer Perekim that start with the word Rabbi Eliezer. This is HaOreg. So, we'll be discussing a little about the weaving process. Before we actually start, I do recommend that everyone go to the back of the art store if you have one. And there's an appendix to the back of the art store known as appendix, the weaving process. And this appendix, the weaving process, is uh, a very nice introduction to weaving. So I'm going to go over a few of the quick points. In weaving, there is two ways that the uh, the strings go. You, you have the vertical strings and you have the horizontal strings. The vertical strings are called the warp and the horizontal strings are called the weft. Sheti va'erev. Okay, so the shetis are the strings that are warp and they stay in the same place. The weft are the ones that is a string that goes back and forth and has to pass over the sheti in and out, in and out, in and out in order to make cloth. Now, um, you also have to know about so basically imagine you have a big roller uh, and you have you have two um, two rods with strings wrapped around both of them. Now, the, the strings that are wrapped around one, you can roll one and roll, and the other one will roll, like something, something like a separate Torah. Imagine you have a separate Torah with uh, 50 or 100 or 300 threads going from one to the other. There's spaces in between. And your job is to take a uh, Erev thread, a weft thread, and put it over, under, over, under, over, under, over, and under. Now, it takes a long time to get it through, and also the ball of thread that you're pushing through is a ball of thread that is so thick that it takes a while to go through. And therefore, the job is to make sure that you could pick up every odd number thread in, in one shot, and then every even number thread in one shot. For that, you make these two ose bate nirim. Bate nirim are these frames that have strings going across it, and it has a place to hold every other string. And you basically pick up, you have two frames, you pick up frame number one, and you push your weft, your edit thing all the way through. You pick up frame number two, and you put, put it all, put the, the edit all the way back, the weft all the way back. And that allows you to make cloth in a smooth manner. So that's shte bate nirim. The nirim are the heddles. And the loops are the bate nirim. Okay? The actual threads are nirim. And the, the, the loops in the middle that has this one are bate nirim. Okay. So with that in mind, we're going to go to the first Mishnah in Haore. Uh, Noah. 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 Says the Mishnah, 
רבי אליעזר אומר, האורג שלושה חוטים בתחילה ואחת על העריק. What is the shiur for weaving? How many threads do you have to weave in order to bring a korban and bethmikdash for doing an avera on Shabbat? So the Gemara says, Rabbi Leezer holds that if you're doing the first few threads, it's three. And if you're adding to a already done thread, then only one is enough. And you're already bringing a korban chatat for one time going through. Okay. Regardless, beginning and end, it's always two. One rabbi says, this is three in the beginning, one in the middle. Chachamim are more lenient when it comes to Ha'ari, they always say two. And they're more strict when it comes to the beginning because they say two and the others say three. Okay. Now, Mishnah continues. If you're making the heddle eyes, heddle eyes we said was the frames that pick up either the odd, the odd numbered, the odd numbers sheti strings or the even numbered sheti strings. If a person makes these banirim, whether you make them in heddles, which is the normal way to do it, or bakiros benapa bekavra besal. In the sieve, of course, sieve or a basket, we'll see about this soon. Chayav, in all these cases, you are chayav. Hatofer, what about sewing? If you do two stitches, you chayav. And one who tears, you have to tear enough area in order that it needs two stitches to repair it. That would be chayav again. So, you need to tear the area for two stitches. That's Mishnah number one. Says the Gemara, Kiata Rebitzak, when Rebitzak came from Israel to Babel, Tanya, Tani, he learned, Shtaim. He learned, according to Rebitzak, that you need Yechayah for only two. So, according to this writer of Rebitzak, it's different than our Mishnah. In our Mishnah, we had said Rebitzak says three, three in the beginning. According to this, Rebitzak is stricter, and he's the same as the Chachamim in the beginning, as they're both saying that you need two in the beginning. Ask the Gemara of Ha'anad Tan Shalosh. Didn't we say now Mishnah at Shalosh? So what's right? Says the Gemara Lo Kasha. Ha Ba'alime Ha Bichtine. One is talking about thick ones, and one is talking about thin threads. Now, one the which one is going to be thick or is going to be two or three is actually not so clear. The Gemara says Amri La Ha'Gisa Ba'Amri La Ha'Gisa. Some explain that the thick ones is the one that is lenient and needs three. And some explain that the thin ones that are lenient and needs three, like the Mishnah. Some explain it this way. Alimi, the thick ones, tlata lo satri, tray satri. When you have the thick ones, it's lenient because if you, because if you have to put three of them in order for it not to come out. But two of them might come out if you have thick ones. Teeny, but the thin ones, since they're very, very thin, they don't get unraveled with two, and therefore chayav for two. According to this one, the stricter one is the thin one. The Amila Haigisa, other learn it the other way, and they say, the thin ones, three of them are noticeable with the thin ones, and therefore you can be lenient up to three, because you don't notice two for thin ones. And two are not noticeable. 
Alimi, but the thick ones, Trainamiyadi, you could tell no, you could tell the two, and therefore the the the, the thin one, thick ones, according to this one, are the strict one that even two Yechayava Kurban. Says the Gemara in the Brighta. Tanya, we learned in the Brighta. If a person weaves three strings in the beginning, or if you add one to one that's woven already, that sounds like that mission so far. The same as the edge which they explain that they have a different type of warp on the edge. So they want to have a border around the, they want to have a border around the fabric, they will make a different type of, of, of shred, thread over there. And since it's a different type of thread, then, it's two threads with, two threads with three heddle eyes, which means, since it's only, it's not going over the whole thing, even two threads, of course, three heddle eyes is enough because it's only by the border. What is that similar to? A guy who's weaving a small belt. Over there also, two threads, of course, three batenirim are enough. He doesn't have to go across all the batenirim since it's only the border, only three heddles. Asking about that. It sounds like it's exactly like Rebezer, like we pointed out. Tanya Idah, we learned another brighter. If you take, if you weave two threads on a big piece of, of fabric, on the border, even one if you add. It's like making a small belt. That sounds like Rabbanan. So when the brighter says, it sounds like the Rabbanan. The end of the Brighta is like the Rabbanan who says, always two. Says the Gemara, and in the Mishnah we had said, that if you make the, the heddle eyes, you make two of them. My benidin, why does it say, what does it mean in the heddles? Of course they're in the heddles. Says the Gemara, I'm going to buy it. Trey babai nira. Over here it's talking about a case you have instead of having a traditional frame you'll have with with permanent um permanent loops for the for the sheti to go through over here you'll have one long string coming out of it and you wrap the the strings around each sheti um item David, so says the Gemara, Bikiros, Mike, the Mishnah said Bikiros, my Bikiros, what's a Kiros? Amarav, Mitsiluta, this is a regular 
a heddle frame. You set up the heddles, you chayav. Okay, have these uh, different ways to move the heddle frame. What about if you sew two stitches? Why did the Mishnah have to mention sewing two stitches? We already had that in the first parak of Klal Gadol. Right? Says the Gemara. Mishnah wants to say the end. We mentioned the Isur in making two, two, two stitches because we want to mention that there's also an Isur in ripping a place with two stitches. Now the Gemara says, what do you mean? You, want, you said this because of that, even that one we said in the Galagadol. The reason why we have it here is we want to write Sefer. Since we want to say that if you ripped in anger on a dead body, you're patur. So we want it. That's, all we, that's why we mentioned that if you ripped in general, you're chayab. So we said, how do you have a case where a guy rips in order to, talk, to do two stitches? Why would a guy do that? Mara says, why would a guy have to rip to, to do it? Let's say a guy, in other words, Mara wants to know, why would a guy want to rip? Who would want to rip something? Just sew whatever you have to sew. Answer is, let's say you sewed and you did a bad job. And now your fabric was sewn when it's bunched up. So what do you need to do? You need to rip out the stitches and sew it back flat. So in that case, yet when you rip out two stitches, that's when you chayav. Okay. Says the Mishnu Mishnah. This is what, what we really came to teach you. The guy rips when he's angry. The guy's anger and he lets it out on ripping a cloth. Or... A person hurt is is distressed over a person who died, and he rips his cloth because of that. Or anyone who destroys something, you're always patur. But if you destroy in order to fix, the shiur is according how much you have to fix. We'll see what that means soon. What's the shi'ur of a guy who is whitening or minapets or uh, combing tovea or dying with or spinning the thread? Double the size of a seat. A seat is the area in between your fingers. Okay. So double the area between your fingers, then you chayav. Ha'oreg, shnei chutim. We say you have to weave two chutim. Shirok, kemalasit, it's one seat, one, one, one distance between the fingers. Ask the Gemara Virimin, who we have a contradiction. It says, ha'koreya bahamato, a guy who rips something when he's angry, ube'evlo, or if he's over a dead body, almeto, or on a dead body, right? If he's in other words, either on a dead body or in, if he's while he's uh, avel, 
חייב, יהיה חייב, אף על פי שמן חלל שבת, אם מחלל שבת יוצא ידי קריאה, אם יוצא... So you see that even the guy is מחלל שבת, his חיוב of קריאה is done. So this brighter sounds like a guy who rips when he's angry over a dead body. It's chayav. Elbishu said that you're a patur. What's going on? Says Gemara Lokasha. Hab mete, hab mete alma. The Mishnah, which said you're patur, it's because you're not, person is not ripping on his own dead body, he's ripping on someone else's dead body. That's your patur, because you didn't do anything. But on your own dead body, on a person's own dead body, since he has a chiyuv to rip, because a person has to be, do kriyah when his relative passed away. So there it's an accomplishing thing, and then you'd be chayav, you bring a kubah to the Bet But if a person hears about someone else passing away and he rips his clothes, since he has no chiyuv kriyah, it's, it, it, there's no purpose to the thing. And therefore, you'd be patur. You can't tell me that it means someone else's. It says, meto, his dead body. It means it's related to him. We're really talking about his dead body. We're talking about his dead body. It's someone he knows, you're right. But it's someone who he doesn't have to sit shiver for. So it's a different relative, uh, brother-in-law. And he rips on that. And that's when he is patur. Because he doesn't need to rip, so therefore he's patur. So yes, what do you mean? Who is this relative? If this guy was a chacham, anyway he's accomplishing something because there, there is an inyan to rip when a chacham passed away. Everyone is his relatives. Okay? What do you mean? Everyone's his relatives? Not everyone's relatives. Everyone's like his relatives. They're supposed to, they're supposed to mourn for him. Everyone has to rip on the uh, on a chacham. Everyone should rip this, should take, take their shoulders off. Take the their, their clothes off their shoulders. Everyone should sit and have the first morning meal on this because this guy passed away. So therefore, if this relative who's not, he doesn't have to rip for is a chacham, he would have to rip anyway. We're talking about a relative who's not a chacham. Even if he's not a chacham, if he's a kasher, you still have to rip your garment for Tanya. Why will a person lose a child as a kid? Person, this way a person should cry over Adam kasher, because it's supposed to be, there's a yant to cry over Adam kasher. They want to make him cry. That's why they take, they take, they take, they're taking uh, uh, collateral so he can cry. That's why they're making his kid die. Rather, what it means like this a person who has Adam Kasher passed away and he ignores the funeral, Hashem makes him lose the kid. This way he gets punished for it. Why? Person who cries over Adam Kasher, they, they forgive all the sins because of the kavod that he did. It says, Must be that the case over here in the Mishnah where you're patur is that you're ripping over a guy who is not Adam Kasher. Even if he's not Adam Kasher, but if a person is there at the time the guy dies, 
Almer Ahmed, Mashaj, he said, the guy's next to a dead body, by Yitziat Mashima, have a Quran, I strip his garments. Halamari, what's the man? The Sophia, the Russian is about, like a separate guy died. You see a guy die, you have to rip your clothes. So you should be Chayav on Shabbat. We're talking about a guy in Mishnah, which is a Patur, is a specific case where the guy was, was a Na Adam Kasher, Na Lechacham, and you weren't there when he died, and that's why you're Patur when you rip your clothes. Where it says, You're right. Okay, so the Mishnah is talking about a guy who's not a relative and not smart and not a Adam Kasher. And you weren't there when he died. And the writer is talking about one of the other cases. But writer also had a contradiction that the writer said that when you, when you, when a person rips and is angry, he's chayav. And the mission said you're batur. Says Gemara, chamato achamato nami lo kasha. There's no kasha of chamato achamato. Harabiyuda, harabiyushimon. One was a biyuda. The writer is a biyuda. And the Mishnah, which is your batur, is the bishimon, which is your batur. Right. That is the Brisa, which says Yechayav, because it says Yechayav how can you talk about ripping in anger from the law of Rabbi Huda only said his rule about being chayav and when you did an act that fixes something. When you do, did an act of destroying, like a guy who rips something. Did you ever see he said chayav? How could you claim that the one that says chayav was written by him? He never said anything about, about mikalkel to make you chayav. That's also fixing something. What? Because you're making a yetzerah happy by doing it. So therefore, you can't call ripping a mikalkel. Because ripping when you're angry takes care of yetzerah. And therefore, it calms you down. Are you allowed to do something like this? Are you allowed to rip something when you're angry? The guy breaks his, rips his garment when he's angry. Or he breaks a mirror when he's angry. Or he throws money around when he's angry. It's like a guy who did Avodah It's the fact that he can rip his own and be destructive in his anger. He's yet to, I mean, that means he's, in, he's, he's a slave to Yetzirah. Today he says, okay, just rip your clothes. Next day he says, you can do the next thing. If he keeps giving it to Yetzirah, one day do Avodah Zarah. He's going to go do Avodah Zarah. I'm going to be a bean. What's the pasuk that teaches you this? Don't have any other gods and don't bow down to any other gods. Because there's lo yebecha, don't have any other gods in you. How can you have a god in you? It's the Yetzirah who gets you to beat you. You have 
pasuk here teaching you that every person should try to get rid of his yetzerah. Right? So now we have a question. How could you say that we had answered before that when you break or tear your clothes to cool yourself off, you were mekalkel. You were not mekalkel because we said you were mekalkel, but here we see that you're not mekalkel because you're making it stronger by giving in to him. Really, the case is that the guy's not angry. And he's not giving his yetzer. So why is he breaking his clothes? Because he wants the people in his family to think he's angry. And this way they'll learn to do the right thing. So if you have kids who are playing around, and let's say, for example, the kids are being silly and they're endangering the house, they're throwing things around, they're doing the wrong things, and you need to make a break. You just say, please stop it, they're not going to listen. So the guy takes the thing and he rips it so they get scared. Yehuda would rip off the border of his garment to show he's not happy when the kids are not listening. He would break utensils. Roshesh would throw the sauce on the head of the lady. Rab Abba broke the head of a pitcher. So since he's doing now, they're not really angry, these rabbis, but they're doing it. So the people think they're angry and they change what they're doing. And in that case, since it accomplished something and you're not giving it to the Yetzirah because you're not really angry, that would be a case of Mitaken and not Mitalkel, which would fit into what we just said. Says the Gemara, Hashem, you counted my tears, you put them in your in your nod, in your flesh. Did you keep the cheshman of how much they have? And therefore we see Hashem counts them. And therefore it's a big good thing to, to cry over a person who's a dam kasher. Anyone who is mitatzel, he's lazy not to go to a hesped of a chacham, you should bury him alive. They buried Yahushua in Timnat Serach, whatever it is, in a certain place. Why do they call him like the Hard Gash? That means that really the mountain wanted to kill the Jews because they didn't have enough of a mourning over Yahushua Benun. Anyone who's lazy not to go to his bed of a rabbi, you're not going to have a long life. Which means you have to fight with us when we send her away. 
אצל רכיר בר אבא רבי יוחנן, ועבדו העם על השם כה ימי יהושע. It says that the Jews served Hashem as long as Yeshua was alive. כל ימי הזקנים אשר הליכו ימים אחרי יהושע. And all the days of the זקנים, who lived a long life after Yeshua. But if the זקנים, had the זקנים live a long life, if they didn't, if they didn't mourn Yeshua properly, they should have lived a short life according to what we said. And here it sounds like they lived a long life. Amar lo, they told him, Bavlai, yamim ha'elichu, shayim lo ha'elichu. Just because they had long days, I mean, they had long years. Hasuk said that they had long days, but you're right, they had short years because they didn't mourn Yahushua properly. Ele ma'ata, leman yidbui mechem v'emelchem, when it says you can have long days, does that mean only long days and not years? Berecha shani, when it says berecha has long days, it means long years. But when it says a curse, that you had short years, doesn't mean anything. I'm sorry, when we had long days, as part of a curse, it doesn't mean that. Okay. If one brother dies, all the brothers should be scared that maybe it's a gizera on them. One of the group dies. The whole chabura should be scared that maybe there's a gizera on all of them. Some say it means when the gadol dies. So if the gadol dies, everyone has to be scared. It might happen to you too. Some say when the Khatan dies, it's more of a sign that Hashem is angry at them and he starts from the youngest one. Says the Mishnah, two dots. Anyone who does something to destroy, he's patur. Says the Gemara, Tani Rabbi Abu Kamed Rabbi Yochan. Rabbi Abu said in front of Yochan. According to this statement, it's always patur, kutmi chovel umavir. The only two mekakels, the only two acts that are destroying, that are that are that are chayav, are mechabel, a guy who cuts somebody, umavir, or he burns something. Amar so he told them, puk tani lebra, get that, get that out of here. Chovel umavir eno mishnah. This that you said that these two things you chayav on, it's not true. If you want to say it is true, the only way it could work is if you a person if you hit somebody if your dog is thirsty and you want it to drink blood and you hit someone to get the blood out for that then you could say that it's because you really want the blood or if a guy needs ashes for something and you burn something for the ashes but otherwise it would be patur. How could we Abu say that there are only that there are two Mikakels? That your Khayavan, the Mishnah says everything's patur, it sounds like there's no exceptions. You're right, the Mishnah is written by Ruhuda. And the Braisa, which will be Abu says, is Rabbi Shimon. What's Rabbi Shimon's reason why he says that? Your chayav for 
making a wound or burning. Since we have a pasuk, and we need a pasuk to allow Mila on Shabbat, now Mila is Mechabel. Now, it must be the Mechabelah is Asur Doraita in order for the Pasuk to come and give you a Pasuk and tell you that, they, that you're allowed to do it. So, what's the Isur of Milah? So, obviously, Mechabel is Isur Doraita. That's why Bishamon says that these two are Chayav. And the fact that the Torah made it Asur, Havala, Gabi Bakhoen, the Torah says it's Asur to burn a bat kohen on Shabbat. If a bat kohen does an act that makes a chayav sedefa, we don't kill her on Shabbat, the Gemara says. Why do we need to tell you that? Of course you can. Obviously, burning someone, meaning burning his bat kohen, is something. So since they have an actual Gemara that's telling you that you're not allowed to burn someone on Shabbat. It sounds like without thinking about it, you would think that you can. Why would you be able to break a Shabbat? Obviously, burning someone is not for breaking Shabbat. So you see, it's not Chayav Midoraita. That's a Bishamon. Those two cases are not regular cases because you're fixing something. Like Ravashi says, Dabar Ravashi, Malitaken Mila, Malitaken Kil. It's the same thing. <coughs> To fix the keli and do a brit milah. And that's why we need a pasuk. So, you know, because the person, he looks at a person as being fixed when you do a milah. And that's why it's not a regular mechabel kiss. Milah is not a regular mechabel kiss. And maldi levashem petilah, maldi levashem simanim. Also, when it comes to cooking, in order to cook, in order to, in order to kill the lady, you have to melt the lead. And melting lead is havara. And that's why we need a pasuk. Tell you not to do it. Says the Shiran Hamlaben. How much do you need for, for, for bleaching? We said double seat. Rabbi Yosef would show that it's double. Rabbi Barami merci pashut. Barami would understand as a simple measure. What does that mean, as a simple measure? So he says that it's my clocker whether you would take the space between the, the index finger and the middle finger and double that. Or you take the space between your thumb and your index finger, which is double the, 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 the length of the other space. New Mishnah. Person who traps a bird into a, into a room. Or he traps a deer into a house. Chayav, you chayav. Chayavim, they agree that if you put a bird into a closet, you chayav, like the Rebuda says. 
But they argue and are more strict. They say it's me, not just to a house, of course, but even to a, a garden or a courtyard or an enclosure, you're also Hayab. Rashbag says, not every enclosure is the same. Zakhlaw, this is the rule. Mechusal said that if it needs more trapping, even after it's trapped, patur ye patur. If it doesn't need any more trapping, you're always chayav. Not out we learn to the Mishnah. And sadin da gimel vivim yom tov. Let's say it's yom tov and you want to have a fish. And you have a fish pond. You can't trap a fish from the fish pond on, on yom tov. And because they're not considered like they're trapped already, you can't give the fish food. But you can catch a wild animal or a bird from something they were trapped in before. Since you could trap them, then you could also put mezonot. The rule is you can't feed a wild animal. You can only feed a domesticated animal. So if it's considered trapped, then you can feed it. But the first case was considered trapped. You weren't allowed to feed it. Yes, the Gemara. I have a contradiction. It says, If you have a bibar, an enclosure of, of wild animals, or of birds, or a fish, you can't trap on your That's so far so good. You can't put in front of them. So the problem is like this. We said before that Chayava off, you're allowed to trap. And here it says that Chaya and off, you're not. Kasha Chayava off, Kasha off, what I've It's Chaya and Chaya, the contradiction of the wild animals, the contradiction of the birds. Where it says, Bishnah and Chaya Chaya Kasha, I understand you can get out of the problem of the wild animal, contradiction from the bright and the Mishnah. What are you going to say? You'll say, Harabi Huda Harabanan. One is the Buddha, one is the Rabbanan. The Buddha in the Brayta is saying that you are Chayav and the Mishnah is the Patur. The Rabbanan is the Patur. Because like we saw in the Mishnah, the Chachamim held, the Rabbanan held that a, bird, a deer is considered trapped. The Buddha is going to say that since it's not considered a trap, you're allowed to tr- you're, la- you're allowed to grab it on Yom Tov. Ela afort afort kashav. We have a contradiction of afort afort. Okay, we're going to stop this for now, and tomorrow we'll take over afort afort kashav.